We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is Tuesday, April 11th for your show today. Another quiet day in NFL circles, Brown circles, so not much to go over uh, in terms of anything that happened with the Cleveland Browns on Monday night, but I wanted to continue our big board going through position by position as we do from my stance uh, leading up to the NFL draft, who the Browns could take. We've covered quarterback, running back, wide receiver. That puts us at tight end. As we know, David Njoku still sitting in the middle of his extension uh, or second contract. Uh, the Browns uh, also brought in Jordan Aikens, right? So uh, they have two tight ends they like there, Harrison Bryant. We'll see if he ends up making it, but that's a third tight end they like. I think there's room, as Aikens obviously well into his 30s, uh, you know, there's room here for another tight end if the Browns should choose to go that route. So this is not a dead position to me. If they really like a guy... They could certainly take somebody here. So we'll give you five, and then I'll give you one bonus name as well. Uh, really not looking into anybody too early. The The top five names at the position, in my opinion, Dalton Kincaid, the Utah tight end, Michael Mayer, uh, Notre Dame, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon. Again, now Bill Musgrave's uh, nephew, right? So that's a, a connection to Cleveland. And then Darnell Washington and Tucker Craft. Those guys, I think, are going to be a little bit out of the range of uh, possibility here, right? So we try to identify who we think these guys could take. We start, in my opinion, at the top end of it. This would be pick 74. That's Sam Laporta, the Iowa tight end. 6'3", 245, has been around a four-year senior, uh, the Iowa program, which puts out tight ends, as we know. Uh, a little bit over the uh, threshold here for age at 22, but a really a, a pretty good athlete, right? So you're looking at a guy who I think is... Uh, well athletic enough to be able to handle playing tight end in the NFL, including a four five nine forty, a great broad jump ten three, vertical jump thirty five. So you know you're not worried about his athleticism at the position at all. Uh, some of it is just what is he able to handle that makes him more than you know sort of an above average player because he doesn't actually have the point of attack blocking that I prefer or you would think the Iowa guys do. But he is able to make things happen in contested catch situations. I think the quickness and his way of getting in and out of cuts is is really strong. 
uh, George Kittle like not to go too far into the Iowa threshold here, but I really do like him uh, as far as being able to run the route side of things. For him, it's a development as a blocker. So if he's able to up his game as a blocker, I certainly think you can see an above average to good tight end. Think, um, you know, if, if you're looking around the tight end landscape in the NFL uh, right now, you're probably looking at somebody like Dalton Schultz, uh, a Cowboys tight end who. Uh, left the Cowboys, I'm not sure. I think he went to the Texans. So I see a lot of similarities there. But, you know, again, he was the first-team All-Big Ten guy tied into the year last year. Uh, he's been third-team uh, All-Big Ten the year before. He's he's continually led that team in either receptions or receiving yards because it's Iowa football, and if you watch them, their offense is really dreadful. So he is an impact player for them and has been. He's a good, good football player that would be at the top end. The next one is Brenton Strange, who to me is a guy that I've liked out of Penn State. Uh, also just over 22 years old right now so again a little on the higher end of the spectrum of early choice age but if we're hitting the middle of these picks like 111 I certainly think that he could be a little bit more uh, easily accepted in terms of the age stuff so when you look at the actual player he's a muscular guy but he but he's not ideal lengthwise only has a 76 inch wingspan so that shows up in a lot of situations where he's got to go catch the football away from his catch radius right get out away from his body make make those sorts of difficult catches so to me there's a point in that where he has a limitation um but again he's a he's able to do a bunch of diverse things he can line up in that sort of tight wing he can line up in line and i think there's a level to him which is uh, un- untapped, right? His ability to make plays in space. He's a great athlete, 36-inch vertical, a 10-4 broad. The the four seven forty, I think he plays faster than that, so I'm not really held to that. And he really does a great job of, of when he snatches the football, and he really plucks it well. He's not, like I said, the length issues are more on those catches that are all over the spectrum, but if it's in frame, I think he plucks it really well and can uh, – can catch it, turn up field fluidly, and get up, uh, you know, those extra yards. Yards after catch, he can make people miss. I think he's just an underrated football player and would be a really solid second tight end in the NFL. Uh, he's Some people, he's inside their top 100 board. I think he's a guy you're probably looking at the earliest 111, but if you loved him, 98. But again, 111 feels sort of more right for me, depending on the size and some of the other things that you're kind of battling. There was 13 all Big Ten last year uh, in his Fourth year, uh, it was a redshirt junior. So, Britton Strange, Penn State, second guy on my list. Davis Allen from Clemson comes in third for me. A uh, huge, huge guy, six six, two forty five. Uh, again, another one who's just over twenty two. Uh, big back- basketball background. I, I and again, I think he's. He was third team All ACC last year. He was the team captain for them. Led the team in touchdown catches in twenty twenty one, which is no small feat at Clemson. Great athlete, 38.5-inch vertical, 10.5 broad. The 40-yard dash of 4.84 is concerning, so the speed is a thing to me. But I, I still think he's a pretty good athlete for the frame he has, the, the body the body size he brings to the, to the table. Uh, I think he looks comfortable uh, catching the ball away from his body. Concentration uh, stuff is good. It's always right where it needs to be. Uh, and again, as a positional blocker where he needs to be in terms of shielding off wide zone or tight stuff inside run game, I think he does a really good job. The I think the long speed is what's going to hurt him. Can he get up the field? Can he challenge the seams consistently? I'm not sure about that. And that's where it, it gives me some concern and why a guy like him would be available in that fourth round spot is because of the long speed or lack thereof. Even though there's some stuff in the 20 yard and 10 yard that you don't mind about his splits, but hand-eye coordination is good. I think, uh, you know, he's not dynamic, like I said, but 
that catch radius and body control is a, is a red zone, uh, real, real help down in the red zone, especially if the Browns use those situations where they go three tight ends. And, and when you're the size he is, again, at 6'6", 250, I think the blocking stuff continues to get better over time as there's more mass put on that 6'6 frame. So, uh, again, developmental player, I think that they could like him at that spot. Zach Koontz checks in next. Anytime a player is a... Uh, the best athlete recorded at a position the way he was. Best tight end, te- t- tight end testing I've ever seen from the relative athletic score perspective. Kuntz is uh, special. He's 6'7", 255, huge guy. Started out at Penn State, went to Old Dominion where he was first team All-Conference USA, um, where he led the team in receiving in 2021. But he missed time last year with some injury. and He had an ACL issue, uh, so missed time last year. But, again, a two-year starter at Old Dominion, I really do think the athletic traits are special enough to really want to take a shot on a guy um, like this. If you're picking round pick 140, 142, this is a spot that you could be interested. A team could get hungrier because they're craving the same athletic stuff, but the way he's 23 and almost 24, he's going to play 24 his rookie year, it's a guy that I think could be around in that range. And, again, you're talking about just an exceptional athlete to come in and give you more and potentially stretch it out to be a really nice second tight end for you. Uh, secures throws, I think, takes punishment over the middle, does a good job with that, but the, the the frame allows him to go get the football up and over people, right? Catches it away from his frame either side, 45-degree angle, does a nice job. The seal-down block stuff are good. The one-on-one isn't great, but he can handle the you know those double teams that climb. He can do those things. He can go in motion. He can be your split zone guy, come across and cut a defensive end. I think he can handle that role pretty well too. So um, it's a special athlete, and I think, again, at this point, taking special athletes is, is, a, is something that's really appealing later on in draft. So, again, he struggles a little bit to answer that power physicality stuff as a blocker, and I think that, that largely he's more receiver than blocker, but the frame, the general ability to uh, out you know outwork people is there. It's just not always tapped into. Uh, and again, with the route stuff too, a, a special, special athlete, but needs to tighten up how the routes are run, the in and out cuts, the nuances, that stuff. So uh, a developmental third tight end could be a second one. Certainly appealing to me there was Zach Koontz if you get a little later. If you look at like... Pick 190, uh, you wanted to go that route. And, and, and Josh Wiley from Cincinnati is my, my next one here. Uh, again, another guy who's going to be a little bit older, uh, 23 going into 24 here soon, 6'6", 250, 248 technically, fifth-year senior, first-team All-AAC last year, and a team captain. He's got an honorable mention All-AAC the year before, and then in 2020 was second-team All-AAC where he led the team in receiving He's been around the block, right? I mean, he's a pretty good athlete. He didn't do the three-cone uh, bench press or shuttle, but you really do um, at the pro day, or at the uh, sorry, at the combine. His pro day, he did do those, and they were fine. 33.5-inch vertical, 9.7 broad, 4.6940. Had a great senior bowl where I thought he really blocked, one of the best blocking tight ends at the senior bowl. Uh, fights, you know, kind of an average uh, overall athlete at the position, but he fights really hard, and I think that the effort that he puts into that right, uh, are, are really appealing to some teams. His height, weight, speed, and blocking upside are really, really strong. So I could see the Browns getting interested up to 142, but again, that's that they got to be in love with him, and there's some things I don't know there. Uh, but he doesn't always play up to the athleticism levels that we're talking about here, and I think he can get lost, overwhelmed in coverage at time. Uh, at times, because I don't think he's a very crisp route runner, doesn't understand how to set up routes, create that separation. 
Um, but the catch point stuff is okay. But again, you're looking for guys that can just be some sort of specialist at this point, right? So if you're looking at a tight end this this sort of 140 range, can he can he do one thing well? Well, Wiley can block well. He can really handle that role pretty well, and he's diverse enough athletically, in my opinion, to do a bunch of different alignments and uh, get creative with him, put him in the backfield, do some things like that. So what you're hoping for is that the the wide receiver traits come along, they get better uh, in, in terms of getting coached up and working on the route nuance stuff, but the blocking with it, appealing to start. So those are my five. If they wanted to go later, maybe sixth, seventh round, chase a tight end. The guy who stands out to me is Braden Willis uh, out of Oklahoma. Uh, so this is your bonus name, 6'3", and a half, 240. Again, if you're looking for that versatile wing slot type of tight end, I think he can do some of these things. His Oklahoma tape is full of uh, a broad variety of things uh, in terms of what that offense does at Oklahoma. He was second-team All-Big 12 last year, uh, actually threw a passing touchdown, but led the team in receiving touchdowns and was a was a captain. All those things you like to see about being a team captain uh, especially, but he didn't test a lot of the running stuff because of a hamstring issue. So we only got vertical broad jump, which were which were fine. Uh, the short shuttle and three cone were okay, but I would have liked to have known what his long speed looks like. But um, he's not to me a full field receiving threat. He can do some of the underneath, some of the minor things, but he likes to block. He likes to to put himself in a position at. Uh, a little undersized at six three and a half two forty, but he, he again understands leverage, understands those sorts of uh, intricate angles that come with playing some of those weirder tight end alignments, uh, more of like an H back, right? Uh, so he can do some of those things, sneak under blocks on play action, get out in the flat, catch it, turn up field. Again, appeal there to me that if you're if you're not going to add one and you want to put some pressure on Harrison Bryant in the with a later round tight end, Brain Willis stands out to me. So. Six guys there. Those are my top of the Browns tight end position on this little uh, OBR film breakdown big board. Uh, but they, that, that's tight end. So we will jump into offensive line, both tackle and guard in the coming days. I did not want to leave you with anything uh, non-fresh in the content perspective, but we're going to get into uh, OBR Unscripted, which is a Monday show. Andrew Spade and Michael Keefe, if you are interested in sticking around for more Browns content, I know some of you prefer to have a little longer show as you are maybe working or doing whatever it is that you do when you listen to this show, maybe working out. So I'm going to post that now. Uh, appreciate those guys doing great work on Monday night, Andrew and Mike. So we'll check in with that and then come back tonight on the OBR Twitch or check in your episode tomorrow. We'll have dueling mock draft for you available. So check in with us again tomorrow. I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, let's get over to OBR Unscripted right now. Have a good day, guys. Go Browns. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. 
There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What is going on, everybody? Happy Monday, and welcome on in to OBR Unscripted. I am Michael Keefe. He is Andrew Spade, and we are ready for an hour of knock him down, drag him out, good times here on the OBR streaming network. Welcome on in, Andrew. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. My uh, the exposure on my webcam seems way off. I look like a uh, marshmallow covered in hair. I was wondering, yeah. When Dan Aykroyd accidentally thought about you <laughs> in the Ghostbusters movie, and you yeah. just appeared, yeah. did you let's, know he was going to do that? Let's tinker with some settings, Mike, live on the air. Huh? What do you think? Well, look at I, and I don't have like any. Oh, there we go. So I'm just, the good news for everybody that's watching this is I'm going to kind of slowly fade out. <laughs> just, <laughs> my face is going to slowly disappear. Andrew came more into focus, which yeah. is good or bad. Or one of the two. How's yeah. life, buddy? Uh, I'm good, Mike. I'm good. I just uh, took a very long walk. Uh, beautiful day here. Uh, in the, out in the in the Blair Woods. That's there. right. Yeah, out in the backwoods, <laughs> and uh, you know, said said hi to some of the animals that I've trained, and yeah, just a, you know, sort of a magical day here in the forest. There are these group of small men. Uh, Grumpy's my favorite, yep. but they're Andrew's neighbors. That's right. Uh, really good guys. Neighbors, servants, somewhere in between. It's, a lot of whistling. It's a, it's, a lot a complicated, of it's a complicated relationship, no doubt about it. No, listen, uh, so you know one thing that I have found that I don't like about this show, Andrew? What's that? Andrew and I still, we might give off a vibe that we like, have a little rivalry, and maybe we do a little bit. <laughs> But, but one thing I don't like about the show, Andrew, is I feel like you and I don't talk to each other as much because of this show. I agree. That's true. Yeah, we save it all for the air. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't talk to sure. you. Yeah. Like, you texted me eight minutes ago. Hey, That's do correct. you have anything we want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to you in a week. Yeah. And the answer, by the way, to that question is no. No, we do not have anything we want to talk oh, about. Shit. We sure don't. Yeah, we do. Um, Ian, can you pull that one picture up that's that's loaded up here? Ian McBride in the background. Pull that one picture up that's loaded up here, please. Ian, if you could. All this right, is here what we, we want to talk about. Yep. Let's 50 go. Minutes. Here we go. Let's go. Here we go. Do it. Odell do it. Beckham. 15 million guaranteed United yep. States American dollars. Going <laughs> to Baltimore, playing with the Ravens. Yep. Yeah, we just just let's just check in on the Can comments big... quick. Uh, Fumble has some thoughts, and uh, Paul Spencer has some thoughts. Uh, yeah, and then Serge has a really good question. No, no, don't try to distract. Andrew said the one thing he didn't want to talk about was this, and we're talking about it. Don't try to distract Super Serge. Although, why isn't it Super Serge? Super Serge MDC. He's, he's, Doctor He's Surge. undergoing a name change of some sort. Doctor Serge. Uh, the Baltimore, it's listen. This is the only thing going on in football right now. Literally, know, it's the it, only thing. Happening. Just, but that's not how we we don't need to talk about things that are happening. We can just make things up. I would prefer to do that than talk about Odell Beckham and the and the Ravens. No, I want to analyze. No, this. I'd like to really. You, you're going to do it on like your own. About, you're going to have to do it as a monologue. I'd like to talk about Odell's last eight years, his in depth stats, his his analytics, uh, and everything that goes into this. 
and talk about his win share with the Baltimore Ravens. Can we dive into that, Andrew? Uh, I'm having trouble hearing you. My headset is maybe cutting out. <laughs> All right, All right I went real. back. I went back and I looked, Mike. Um, I, I'm just going to change the subject because I don't. No, no, I'm no, 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 no! Don't change the subject. Wait, wait. We're okay, going to. I, I will give you one genuine answer. Go ahead. We're going to pause on this for one minute. Does this li- listen? A lot of shit came out. Sure. About uh, they spent 15 million dollars mm-hmm. on Odell Beckham. And now the reports came out all day today that Lamar Jackson was a part of that process, a part sure. of recruiting him to Baltimore. I, there, there's no way that this Lamar Jackson thing gets settled. Because, there's no way like oh, Lamar Jackson's like, well, I'm happy now because they brought in Odell Beckham Jr., right? Like there's no way that that's, that that's a thing. I don't know. I don't. And I, I, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I don't think anybody knows because Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. So all of these insiders who are supposed to be all knowing are left to do a bunch of speculating based on what he posted on Instagram. So um, I I think one of the reasons this is all like so hard to predict from what's going to happen with the Ravens and Jackson is that um, nobody knows because there's no agent to leak anything. So uh, unless Lamar Jackson gets on Twitter and says something more, I'm I'm in the dark. I think everybody else is in the dark, and I I really it, I agree with you. It's hard to imagine that this moves the needle, but it's also easy to understand from Baltimore's perspective why trying this is preferable to you know offering Lamar Jackson a guaranteed a you know two hundred and forty million dollar guaranteed contract. Right? This is less of an investment than that would be. Uh, yeah, I was going to just give this a shout out. Shout out to Eco OBR, uh, seventeen months in a row. Yeah, I, and 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 Serge here in the comments. If Lamar's decision came down to paying OBJ, he's a worse agent than I thought. Yeah, I, I just, I based on what Odell did here, and you can watch his dad's videos about how Baker wasn't good at getting him the ball. But Odell, you know, I said this with with John Johnson. Big-time players make big-time plays. And Odell Beckham here was not a big-time player. He wasn't. Yep. He was not a big-time player. He did not make big-time plays. And, and that just is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I I just can't imagine that there's something. I, $15 million, Andrew. Yeah. Look at some of the deals. Look at some of the deals that guys have been signed to. Productive NFL wide receivers this offseason, this dude went out and signed a $15 million deal coming off an injury, coming off a season he didn't play, coming off several seasons in Cleveland where he didn't prove to be an $8 million wide receiver, let alone 15. Yeah. As this, I, is as, wild. As, this is wild. Yeah. As I said, I, you, you got one serious answer out of me. I, I don't, I really don't care to talk about this. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't find this sort of stuff interesting, right? Like the Ravens are in a tough uh, spot. Mar Jackson's in a tough spot. I, you know, like we can celebrate it from that perspective, but like until there's some firm reporting about what is actually going on here, I, I just don't like trying to read the tea leaves on this stuff. just feels like a total waste of time to me. I know that's kind of a curmudgeon's take, but that's really where I'm at with it. Uh, no, 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 no. Actually the theme of the episode this week is just things Andrew, Andrew finds interesting. So you, next, next up, Andrew, what do you find interesting? All right. Well, I just want to like give us a little perspective here. Um, 
so I looked it up. The Elijah Moore trade happened on the 22nd of March, right? So that was 19 days ago, three weeks ago, Wednesday. And then they technically signed Wes Martin on the 26th, like that weekend. So that was, what, 5, 10? That's 15 days ago. That is the last firm piece of Browns news that we have received. It has been yeah. over two weeks without the Browns doing anything that would be considered like actual news, like a, an actual transaction, right? Um, you know, there's the Al Woods visit. There's the owners meetings, uh, scuttlebutt around the stadium. There's the Deshaun <laughs> Watson legal stuff. There's like a bunch of stuff that isn't news. That's just kind of talking. But like, I think one of the things that I've been thinking about this week is we really need to, I think people kind of have lumped and, and it would be different, obviously, if we had a top 10 pick, but um, people have kind of lumped for a long time free agency in the draft into like one big bucket. But like free agency starts on the on March 12th and the draft is the last week of April. There's just not enough to happen in those whatever that is, eight weeks, seven weeks uh, to keep the content mill churning the whole time, especially if you don't have an argument about, you know, what quarterback you're going to draft. So part of what we're facing here is the reality that we thought like, oh, from free agency to the draft will be golden every week. And here we are. And, and literally they haven't done anything in over two weeks. No, and, and 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 I don't take that, you know, Pat Shea here says it's A B being patient. I don't take what you're saying, Andrew, as like a negative per se. No, it's just I, I'm just they went, out and, <laughs> they went out and addressed a ton of stuff in free sure. agency and, and they made a lot of moves and a lot of moves that we're really happy with. I know Al Woods is the guy that we're kind of waiting on, and uh, our own Brad Stainbrook uh, has reported that that meeting went really, really well between Al Woods and the Browns, but here, here's where we're at. Yeah. It's the Browns don't have to be desperate right now for anything. And Al Woods doesn't have to be desperate right now for anything. So sure. they had a meeting. It went well. I think it certainly helps. Who'd the, uh, who'd the Jets just sign? Uh, Quentin Jefferson. Yeah. The Jets signed Quentin Jefferson. So they've addressed the defensive line. There's not a lot of, there's not going to be a ton of suitors out there for Al Woods uh, at probably a contract that the Browns would be willing to give him at least. Right. And so you're probably just seeing Al Woods saying, uh, I like my visit with the Browns. I'm going to kind of wait this out and see what else comes along. You've got the Browns saying, well, listen, this is what we're going to spend on a player like Al Woods. And so if he takes it cool, if not, we're not going to sit here and panic about it. There's probably more of that out there. Right. Like there's there's probably a couple players that the Browns have kind of feelers out on right now. Sure. There's just no I I guess maybe part of it is just, again, having. uh, An organization that's kind of building a team they want to build and doing it the way they want to do it and feeling good about it. They just there's no. There's no like panic right now. It's, It's just a weird feeling for Browns fans, isn't it? It is you feel like you always have to have urgency and panic and make the yeah, next move. Right. And they don't really feel sure. that way right now. Well, and, and you're absolutely right, Mike, that there's, there's not, I did not mean to imply that, that because they haven't done anything in two weeks that they are in any way being negligent. It's just a fact. I'm just, I'm just really sharing. Like we kind of thought there would be sort of a steady trickle of news from March 12th through the draft. And instead the past three weeks basically have been a total drought. And not only with the Browns, but the NFL more widely, you know, um, surge in the comments talking about Aaron Rodgers still not getting traded. The Lamar Jackson thing, not really getting any traction. 
So there's not really even like NFL news to talk about. Um, right. You know, and, and so we're really in this place where we, we are hosting a show that is about the Browns, an NFL team, and there is not much Browns or NFL news. So uh, let's go Guardians. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> no, listen, it's, I think are you, are I you love for them, by, by the way, this week, are you, did you get called up? What'd you say? I am. I'm yeah, I'm in the pen. Yeah, you get right at you in the pen to eat some innings. Oh, I'm right? in the pen. Oh, by the way, a couple things that I just, we just like jumped into this episode. A couple things that we didn't, uh, you guys already know this, but with all of this being said, it's a good time to remind you guys, if you're joining us live, if you're in the comments, Jump in the comments if you've got things specifically. Please. Andrew will Andrew will poo poo any idea you have. I but I'll, I'm happy yeah. to talk about it. Right. I'm yeah. happy to talk about these things with you. Mm-hmm. No, that's we that's also, actually a good idea for a segment. Can you get Andrew to talk about this? <laughs> the answer? No. Uh, we also have not played our favorite game. Where the hell am I? Oh wow! Yeah, where where? Jesus! It looks Look that. that we yeah, gotta play. Where the hell like am I? A, this is like a this is like a suite. This is some sort of a hotel suite, right? You've got like a, a little a little efficiency kitchen there. How much money are you giving away to somebody that guesses where I am? Well, I don't know where you are, so I don't know. Like last week, I knew the answer, so I knew confidently nobody would get it. This week, I don't know where you are. So put your money where put your money where your mouth is, Andrew. All right, I I will I will offer. Um, let's see, three thousand dollars to the person that. Yeah, nobody nobody's gonna guess where I'm. Nobody's gonna guess. But get your get your guesses in. Where in the United States am I today? I'm not where I was last time, and I'm not at the La Quinta. I'm not at the La Quinta. Uh, I'm also not at a sad place, Paul. Oh, no, look at him. He's got a big smile uh, on his face. I'm feeling good about things. Yeah. I'm not at home. This yep. is not. I, I do not. Li- I do not have. A big orange thing above yeah. a random. This is not my house. Uh, that, so that wall art on the other behind three. your right shoulder is really something. On the on the other side, I'm telling you, it's wow. gorgeous over here. It's mm. gorgeous. Uh, the bunny ranch. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no, I am a married man happily. Uh, I, again, it, it, it's a lot of stuff like this. A to Z crypto. And, and again, we will talk about things. If you got things you want to talk about in the comments, yeah. we will happily do it. But again, this is nothing. This hunt leak leak is a loose way to put this from the right. Browns. We knew the Browns weren't keeping Kareem Hunt. Yeah. We knew that they were disappointed with the burst that he brought. That you could see it in the play calling last year. You yeah. And see it in the way he was used last year. Kevin Stefanski and his offensive crew and, and obviously the front office not happy with with where Kareem Hunt at, is at this point in his career. And, and frankly, Kareem Hunt is just following the, the very average uh, uh, arc, career arc of a running back. He had his few awesome years, and it's just not there the way it used to be. So I don't know. This isn't – when I read it, to be honest with you, when I read it, I was like, yeah, obviously. Like, <laughs> right. this is obviously the situation. There's, there's nothing about this that was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Well, and I mean, it's, it is the, one of the ways in which the NFL, for the most part, is a pretty efficient business, right? If Kareem Hunt had a lot left, he would be on another roster by now. Like, there are teams that need running backs that would sign Kareem Hunt for a discount and be happy to do it. But they didn't, and I think that tells you that they're seeing the same things on film that the Browns are seeing, not only on film, but from the tracking data that they have, which is that he has lost a step. And it's just, you know, it's another example of, of how perilous running back value is in, in, in the league. And 
I mean, maybe this is something we can yell at, yell about for five minutes. It's it honestly makes a pretty good argument why they should, if they get a good offer for Nick Chubb, trade Nick Chubb. Oh, we're going to talk about that. But I love Amador must have been late because I love how he just came in. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amador, the show starts at eight o'clock, buddy. Eight o'clock or it's seven o'clock. Nick. Sorry, yeah, seven. seven o'clock. <laughs> I'd like to know what you guys think about Odell Beckham. Not, uh, Never heard of him. Uh, man, man, uh, here's what I don't like. Here's what I don't like. You can say that all you want. Sure. But you, you, not every player is the same, and there are definitely outliers. Yep, Nick Chubb, to me, feels like the guy who is an outlier. And he. you can say all you want that, like, premier positions and – you pay wide receivers and you pay quarterbacks and you pay defensive ends and you pay cornerbacks. And those are the guys you pay. I'm going to tell you what a premier running back in the mold of Nick Chubb. And you can't even like, to me, when you're talking about, when you're talking about the running back position to just kind of lump Nick Chubb into the group that is the running back position does not accurately, uh, uh, purvey what Nick Chubb is. That guy is a game-changing player. Whether you think his position is as valuable as other positions or not, the guy is game-changing. The guy is a guy that can get you a winning play literally anytime the ball goes in his hands. And he's not shown, first of all, Browns fans scream about this, but we can talk about it as a positive. His usage is not absurd. We're not talking about Derrick Henry here, where they just run his ass until he cannot run any longer. Nick Chubb's usage has been managed effectively, and I think Nick Chubb is that kind of running back that can be this kind of running back for the next eight years. Like I, This is not one of those situations where I expect some big drop-off from Nick Chubb because he's hit a certain age. And, and, and I think the evaluation metric of a running back just doesn't necessarily apply as well to him as it does to other players. I think that's wishful thinking, Mike. Um, I don't uh, think so. It, it's, I'm not talking about his talent level. I'm talking about the uh, projecting the future of running back performance based on their past performance is, is inherently p- problematic due to the position, right? The way that the, the position ages you don't get a lot of advance warning that the player is descending as a, as a player. And so at a certain point you are making a choice between uh, recouping a future asset or holding on to an asset that no longer has any value. And I'm not saying that that's where the Browns are, but based on his career trajectory and where he's at in his career, that's where they're headed in the next year or two. And maybe that that's the hard thing about this. Maybe. But again, I think there's a lot of factors that you can play in with Nick Chubb that maybe don't apply to other players. Not not the least of which is he's better than all of them. And and we've seen what. Listen, Andrew, you can say all you want that. Oh, typically, this is what happens with running backs. But we've seen plenty of running backs over the course of. I don't, it doesn't matter what part, what era, what, whenever you want to talk about football, we've seen plenty of running backs that have been wildly successful for way longer than this kind of metric that you're talking about, than the average shelf life. 
if you're going to talk about Nick Chubb as compared to the average shelf life of a running back, I don't think it's a proper conversation. I, I think it's undue justice to Nick Chubb. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, <clears throat> I think in that uh, case, the onus is on you, Mike, to give me that list because the only name that comes to mind to me is Adrian Peterson. And uh, second of all, um, your what the case you're making is for betting on Nick Chubb being an outlier. And my argument is no team in the NFL, no better in Vegas, nobody who ever tries to predict things happening will make money or benefit in the long run from betting on the outlier. That's just not how you should do things. Uh, yeah, I, and again, I I, it, I think the conversation of it being Nick Chubb versus the average is, is where my problem with this conversation. It's not about Nick Chubb being an outlier, per se, although, I, yeah, I guess it is, but, it, it, but it's also just evaluating the talent you see on the field and it's evaluating sure everything about the way you've used him and and how you've 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 uh kind of protected him against some of the bigger things that happen to running backs in the nfl and and yeah you can talk about adrian peterson you can talk about marshawn lynch you can talk about a lot of players but again it's you can be having this to me this conversation is always weird i guess the thing i want to say is this conversation is always weird about running backs when this could happen to anybody you can go out there and pay the next big wide receiver and he could suck and you could say oh well that's this number or that number but it, again it's about the player it's it's specifically about the player and i agree with these play, people in the comments saying like manimal what would you what return would you get for nick chubb and it's not enough i would rather pay nick chubb pay out his contract offer him another thing that i think would be respectable for a running back and just let him be your your running back. And if he wants to leave, let him leave. I just, to me, the whole Nick Chubb thing, it, it's it's based off the assumption that based on numbers, he is going to get worse. And listen, of course, as he ages, he's going to get worse. He's not going to be 50 running for 1,400 yards. But to act like he's only got one or two good years left, I, to me, there's no analysis in that. That's just like, based on numbers, this is what it says. But we're not analyzing Nick Chubb. <laughs> that's but that's what analysis is it's taking a statistical sample and trying to apply it to a specific case that's you literally that's what analysis is that's what no, we're doing no here. no 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 analysis would be saying here is maybe some averages here's some numbers all that stuff but now we need to apply it to this specific player there's no, no there's no there, no yeah yes there's no applying it to this specific player but but that's the whole that's my whole point about betting on the outlier because you're saying that he should be immune from what has shown to be pretty predictable. Like again, I'm not saying he's an average running back talent wise. I'm saying he's a running back, and running backs as a group, as a position, tend to fall off a cliff at a certain age. Well, and listen, Paul Spencer agrees with you. He's not from another planet. I don't think that. But I, again, this is not a guy that's been run into the ground with the Browns. They have managed really effectively the way he plays. So to me, this isn't a guy that's just been like, just burn out. I, again, I, I just, I, again, Andrew, I think you're just talking about generic stats and you're not applying it to this specific specific guy. And I agree. Right. Be- I will because- say I agree with this. I agree with Kevin Cycle. I prefer I would prefer to let him play until he can't. If we have to take a little bath on the deal, so be it. I agree with that. 
right. I, I okay. 100% agree with That's that. That's a completely different conversation, though, right? You acknowledge that, right? Why? Because you, you have gone from saying he's not going to age drastically poorly to saying, even if he does, I'm cool with it. That's a different thing. You're saying no, something different now. No, but that was... No, and I never meant to come across as saying I don't think he couldn't drop off a cliff because any player can. That's not – you can't use – there's no Mike, statistical I'm, metric I'm te- that you can yeah. say he will do this. Mike, running backs as a whole collapse statistically more than other positions in the NFL. This has been proven. Sure. Sure. That's my point. And And – but we're talking about running backs as a whole. We're, I mean, look at the guys. Look at the guys we're lumping into that conversation. William Green as a whole. Right. We are officially going in circles. Faster. We are officially going in circles. Yeah, I'm saying is, the same things, and you're saying but, the same things. So we'll, we got to move. I don't on. know. It's just it, it. It does not feel to me. You know, shut up. We, we'll move on when I say we will move on. <laughs> wow. Uh, mm. I don't know. It's the it, ugly it, it side feels... of Mike. You must be in the South somewhere. Oh, well, where am I? Does somewhere in the southern somewhere team? The, the way you're talking, you're in like Tennessee. Don't, don't you try Texas. to distract me. Don't you try to distract me, but here I am. Remember, $3,000 of Andrew's Three, money yeah. if you can guess On the I'm table. At. I will do a backflip if somebody puts this in. <laughs> <laughs> so $3,000 and Mike tears his ACL. That's a, it's a pretty big deal. Oh, well, no. No chance am I getting all the way around to my ACL. That's a concussion. <laughs> <way to> happen. <laughs> There's no chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, very good. Yeah. Anyways, I'm on the side of keep Nick Chubb as long as you can keep him. Yeah, and I, you know what? I don't actually even d- disagree with that argument, but I do think that it the what has happened to Cream Hunt was so unexpected that it opens the conversation. But as I said, I want to leave it there. Um, I, I, you know, I wanted to talk, so I had an idea for for just a question for you, and I think okay. I know how you'll answer, but I'm I'm also curious to hear what Chad has to say. Um, because you, you know we've. What's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chat, chat with a T. Oh, I thought you said Chad. No, um, I mean I, I yeah, get him on the phone. That's fine. <laughs> Nobody uh, cares what he has to say. <laughs> um, so, so I, I, you know, Jack Duffin <laughs> went on uh, Jake Burns's podcast. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Thank you. That's great. Uh, Jake, Jack Duffin went on, uh, Jake Burns's podcast and was talking about how aggressive the Browns have been in spending above, above the cap, so to speak, by, by spending cash into the future years, um, you know, and, and pushing money forward. So they're spending next year's cap this year, essentially is the idea. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a great point that Jack makes that really shines a light on how differently the Browns are approaching things than most teams. And they deserve credit for that. Jimmy Haslam deserves credit for spending out of pocket to finance that because it requires a lot of cash this year to allow them to, to, to work that way. The Bengals do not work this way because Mike Brown is a poor man. Um, so, uh, I mean, well, let's define that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Relative to Jimmy Haslam, certainly he doesn't have uh, Warren. He's Bumble not staying in these throwing games. cash at him. Right. Exactly. And that's for sure. Yeah. 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 That's actually what his house looks like. Um, so, I'm actually a Mike Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself $3,000. Yeah. So, uh, I, I just, I wanted to kind of just like zoom out since there's no actual news. Let's zoom out and just like, we've seen the, like the different ways that teams do this, like big picture on a scale of say one to 10, 
how happy are you uh, with where the Browns are at right now and the way that they are doing things? Not just like this year and whether or not they should sign Al Woods, but like big picture, like the Deshaun Watson trade and the way that they're spending future years money this year. And, um, you know, moving on from Baker, I'm trying to think of other examples of things that they've like big picture, just overall your confidence level in where they're at as an organization and, and how confident you are that this organization will actually deliver results. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Since 1999, I've never seen a Browns organization so committed to trying to win a Super Bowl. I don't know yeah. that any of us have. Yeah. I've never seen a Browns organization since they've been back in 99 so damn committed to winning a Super Bowl. And yet, it also gives me a greater deal of respect. I don't know that I've ever had the respect, right? Because when they were really good, in the, I was born in the 80s. So when they were really good in the 80s, I was young. I don't know that I've ever had the respect for how damn hard it is to put together a team that can win a Super Bowl. Because I think the Browns, I I have a lot. I I on the faith meter, Andrew Barry, I'm at the top of the list. Like a 10. I think it I he can sign a lifetime contract here. I'm good with it. Wow. I, okay. I like Andrew Barry. I like the way he approaches things. I think he's smart. I think he's brash when he needs to be. I think he's kind of conservative when he needs to be. I love that. Look at Jimmy Haslam's dream. Jimmy Haslam's dream is to be a Super Bowl winning owner. And I don't I don't care about his personality flaws. Jimmy Haslam's dream because of ego is to be a Super Bowl winning owner. Sure. So you talk about giving him credit. Yeah, he deserves credit because he wants to lift that trophy and show that he's better than everybody and because that's his motivation. But the respect I have, when I look at this team, for for a few years now, this team has been desperately trying to build a Super Bowl-winning organization and roster. And do I think they're even close? No. Mm. Like that, so for me, I like the way they've been doing things. Jimmy's out there spending all of his money I like Kevin Stefanski. I love Andrew Barry. I like the way they've been building the team, and I'm sitting here going, I don't think we're even going to win the division. Mm. How hard is this? You have to hit everything right. You have to hit everything right. Now, granted, am I am I going to say, like, I, def, I def, do not think the Browns could win the division? No, of course I think they can. If, if Deshaun Watson is great, the Browns are going to be great. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like that. It just the respect I have for how hard this is, Andrew. Yeah, is off the charts because I think they've done so many really good things, and they're still like rank them in the AFC. Are they are they a top ten team in the AFC right now? It's funny you should say that, Mike. We just did that on Jake's podcast last uh, Friday, uh, and I had them at six, and Jake had them at five in the AFC. Yeah, but even still, now we're still talking about five, four or five teams better than yeah, them. Yeah, and behind the Bengals, behind the Chiefs, behind the Bills, teams that they are not on the same level as. I agree. Now, again, having said that, what have those teams all done? I really, I really, truly, In this offseason, you mean? No. Oh. I mean, why are they ahead of the Browns? 
They've mm. all hit on their quarterbacks. Gotcha. I, I truly I believe in yeah. football, it's easier than all of us want to make it seem. You hit on your quarterback, you're going to be good. You don't hit on your quarterback, you're going to be bad. That just is what it is in football. Right. But, man, the respect I have for what they've done and how hard it is to win has grown in- incredibly. Incredibly. All right, so Paul Spencer puts them in an eight. Uh, Charlie Chuck has them at a nine. Those are the only two scores I see from chat so far. So I guess nobody wants to give me a number grade. And that's fine. I appreciate that. Paul makes another a great point, which is they could do everything 100% right and still not get to the Super Bowl because it's yeah. that's the game. Um, I, and I agree with that. But I also think, you know, talking in those terms does kind of let them off the hook a little bit for being like seven and, you know, eight and nine and then seven and ten the last two years. Like, it's not like they're one kick away, you know, like <laughs> there's been a pretty big field of, 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 teams between them and where they want to go. So I, I think your point is well taken, Mike. I mean, I think that really does answer for a lot of it. Like Larry Bedouin, very confident, right on, God um, you know, and it, I think Serge, stop this. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, so D- Dylan's a little, little lower. And I think, you know, I think that it's, it's one of those questions where do you, you know, do you grade them on the process? Do you grade them on the results? And how do you weigh those two things, right? Like, okay, so I think maybe the grading, at, uh, I, I assumed a 10 would be the best. I would, or, but but now maybe we're, we're ranking them in the division. So f- that's five or six and then two if, if Watson's good. So we've got a lot of numbers bouncing around here. Um, I, yeah. I think I think this is great. And, and Manimal, uh, this is why I think this conversation is so fascinating. Because we can rank their, we can talk about how they still have a hole at defensive tackle and they still have to address that. We can we can talk about, man, that linebacker room is is two injuries away from being real scary. We can talk about, have they done enough at wide receiver? Which, yeah, I don't know if anybody's really saying that anymore. We can talk about all that stuff, but that is, that's the truth, Manimal. The intangibles that we can't talk about. Yeah. It's always, it always feels like that team that, I hated when Travis Kelsey talked about nobody believed in us and nobody picked us. I'm like, you're the fucking Chiefs. What are you talking about? Everybody was picking you. But the fact is, a lot of people were picking other teams because maybe they didn't want to pick the Chiefs or maybe they just didn't think the Chiefs had this or that. But man, those intangibles, that wide or that quarterback and those intangibles, and they just played the best when they needed to and they won the Super Bowl. So again, the Browns for me, and I don't know whether I like it or I don't. They're a team that I don't I don't know that I'm going to be able to willingly pick them to like win the division because I think the Bengals are a better team top to bottom. But if the Browns come out and gel and play well together, which is something they haven't done in a couple of years, and they I don't know, they they just kind of click on that next level. That's what they need to do. There's that next level click that needs to happen that happens with good teams. This Browns, they could do anything. They could yeah. do anything. Right. That's, that's I, the fun of it. Sure. Yeah, if you're an optimist. I, I think I, I think yeah. if you're a pessimist. Well, if you're a pessimist, the fact that they could do anything means that they're going to go 5-11 and 11 or 5-12. and 12. Um, That's the problem, though. Could they? Sure. No, I, don't think, I don't think they could. I don't think, I don't think they could. I don't think yes, they could. Yes, they could. You think they could go 5-12? Yes, they were two win. They were two two games away from going five and twelve last year, and one of their wins was in overtime against the Buccaneers. They absolutely could go five and twelve. Okay, 
they were also two games away from winning two more games than they won. Like, right, exactly. So they did. Um, it's within the range, is my point. It's within the range. Going, they were two games better than five and twelve and last year. They're not going five and twelve. I didn't say they were. I said they could. That's ridiculous. You really have a thing about and like, no. probabilities becoming actualities. You know that. You have a thing. Five and twelve of Watson gets hurt. He didn't play half the year last year, and they didn't go five and twelve. Manimal, what are you talking yeah. about? Well, Dobbs and Brissett are different quarterbacks. Anyway, <laughs> here, here's what I want to say about this: is I, I think it really comes down to how you weight process and how you weight results, right? Because if we're grading them on their process, I think you have to grade them pretty highly. Yes. I think they follow a strong process. I think their their decisions are logical and thought out. They are not impulsive. They have obviously have a strong plan in place. I think both Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are thoughtful people that put a plan into how they attack, you know, the off season or training camp or any of these things. But I think if you grade them on results, you have to grade them pretty harshly at this point, because one of the things that Jack mentioned is that not only have they been, are they at the top of the league in cash spending now, they were at the top of the league in cash spending before they got the very expensive quarterback. And so their results over the last two years have not like supported that their the amount of investment they've put into the team. I guess is one way to, to I, put it. The, the, let me just let me finish. Nope. John Dorsey, <laughs> uh, you know, like I think to a certain extent, and and, and Sashi Brown before him, kind of stocked this cabinet a little bit, and I think it's fair to ask a question. If despite how sound the process is, the results not showing up indicate a problem with the process that we are not seeing. So where would you? Okay, so to hear you out a little bit before I respond to that, where do sure. where do you where could you see a problem with the process? Like what 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 is there anything glaring to you? Well, I mean, yeah, I think the I think the the fact that they they have so clearly bought into the idea that certain positions on the field matter less. Right. Oh, it drives me crazy. And uh, so, 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 you know, obviously the two most salient examples are linebacker and defensive tackle. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's also, you know, one of the, it's, it's an interesting two-sided thing because at the same time they inherited uh, a really good running back and um, a pro bowl guard, right. Who's probably on his way to the hall of fame and they've continued to play those guys and pay those guys. So they're, you know, one wonders what this, if they had, I, I, what I guess what I'm getting to is if they had it to do from scratch, would there be other positions on the roster that would also be similarly bare in the same way that defensive tackle and linebacker are? But I think that's, that's from a, from a personnel perspective, that's one process issue. And then I think from the coaching staff, you know, I think the biggest process uh, issue that I would have is that it's, it, the feeling you know, year on year, the theme, and I think this absolutely is an intangible, but I think you can speak to why some teams have it and other teams don't, is that there does not seem to be any sort of unity or a sense of common purpose in the locker room. And, um, you know, I think this is something where we have vivid examples of what that looks like in the division when the Steelers end up with the train wreck they had at quarterback this year and still have a better record than the Browns. Yeah. That, you know... Mike Tomlin getting that group of players to believe that they could go out and win every week is is about intangibles and it's about instilling belief and it's something that I don't know that we've really seen Kevin Stefanski do. 
Yeah, I think that last point's really fair. I, listen, I think on the other side, if, if I'm going to flip that coin a little bit and go to sure. the other side, please. If we're going to talk about the last two seasons, sure, that's a really hard fair evaluation. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard fair evaluation because you've got injured Baker Mayfield who now has shown you that he's not even all that great when he's not injured, and then he was injured two years ago with the torn labrum, and for whatever reason, whoever made that decision played his way through that. And he was terrible. He was terrible. Absolutely awful. So how do we evaluate when we're talking about results based, how do we evaluate a team that was about a 500 team with a quarterback that couldn't throw for shit. Mm -hmm. And then last year you're talking about not knowing what your quarterback situation is going to be until you find out what your quarterback situation is going to be. Then you go in with Jacoby Brissett, who is a known entity. You know what Jacoby Brissett is, and he outperformed what you thought he was going to be, but he still is Jacoby Brissett. And there's no, I I mean, no, I will never say a bad word about Jacoby Brissett, but you know what that's going to be. Then you have to flip your offense to Deshaun Watson. I did just the last two years to talk about results-based, man, I don't know. A lot of the comments have centered around the draft, right? Kevin Cycle says poor player evaluation. Larry Bedouin says uh, the draft. Dylan Ju- uh, Justison, sorry, that took me a minute. Mm. Uh, drafting. I don't know that I agree with this, Andrew. No, I, I, I don't mean, know that I think they suck at drafting. No, I, I think the I think so I, far the results have been have been neutral to positive. But I, but I think I think the draft picks that you expect them to hit, they hit. I agree. They hit, they hit Greg Newsom. They hit, uh, I'm, I still think they hit JOK. Mm-hmm. I think they hit Martin Emerson, man. Big time hit. Big time hit. This is, we're not, I, I think sometimes when we hear team talk, to, uh, people talking about the draft, they're talking about it as if they have had top 10 picks this whole time. Sure. They don't have top 10 picks. Mm-hmm. They, they, his his Andrew Barry's top pick was what the end of the first round. Well, Jed Wills. Oh well, Jed Wills. Well, well, we can maybe talk about Jed Wills. Yeah, because yeah, no, I I, I mean, yeah, if if you're but... if you're criticizing the personnel process, I think free agency is much more uh, open to criticism than um, the draft. I agree. With I, that. I mean, I agree with that. You know, John Johnson was a was a swing and a miss, both in in you know the the personnel side and. You know, then his utilization, which indicates a, a, a decoupling from the personnel and the coaching side, which is problematic. Uh, you know, um, Austin Hooper, you know, they, they, the, both of those guys are guys that they like they're eating dead calf to get those guys off the roster is how bad they were. And those were kind of their two yeah. most high profile free agent signings their first two years. I mean, Jack Conklin was good. So I don't want to, you know, just paper over the good ones. Um, but, but, you know, the other thing I, that, think, I think they focused on certain areas. Sure. And they totally ignored others yes so when we're talking about results i mean let's talk about how they absolutely ignored the defensive tackle position last year if we're going to talk about results i mean that's a failure absolutely Absolutely. that's a failure and it was Uh, and it was one that compounded itself over the course of the year because they had opportunities to try and fix it and they eschewed making those choices they continued to give tommy togi snaps throughout the season God, I can't tell you how much I celebrated when we drafted him. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's the thing about the draft. I'm so like, stupid. You know, I'm anything, so stupid. Anything one percentage point over fifty percent is really, really good because it means that you're having a positive influence on it, right? And it's not just flipping a coin. I'm so stupid. 
I just, I, you know, I, this year's such a big year. Absolutely. Like in, in my brain, this year's such a big year sure. because I think there are, when it comes to this group and the results that they have had, I think there are very viable Absolutely, there are reasons for some of Absolutely those results. Absolutely, there are. Yes, that were not in their control, mm-hmm. or that they could not have seen coming. That I don't want to penalize them for. Having said that, having said that, you go into this year. You've got your new defensive coordinator, yep. who is established and knows what the hell he is doing. You've brought in your new. I look at all the special teams comments mm-hmm. happening right here. Right about games that they lost in special teams last year. You brought in the new hot top special teams coordinator, going to be a head coach in the NFL at some point, right? Right. You brought that dude in. You have have gone after special teams in free agency. You've gone after defense in free agency. You've tried to make your team better. And you are finally going into a season with that quarterback – that is expected to be a mm-hmm. Pro Bowl caliber, top end caliber Absolutely. quarterback, and you don't have to wait to play until Week Eleven. You don't have to instill install two deep or offensive systems. You don't have to do all that. If the Cleveland Browns don't have the results this year, yeah, I'm having a very different conversation. Right, right. This year's yeah. results are nothing. Right. Its results are nothing right. for me. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of experience. you know me, Andrew. I yeah. I tend to kind of favor the process. I kind yeah, of tend to favor how they do things and what they do because I like the way they do things. Right? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work this year, we're gonna. I'll, I personally will have a very different conversation with you. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, no excuses. You know, I I think that really was revealed in some of the some of the comments that the the leadership group made at the end of the season. Um, you know, Ke- Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry met the press after the season and were, you know, they were, they were very, you know, confident all, you know, some, some people kind of took it as being a little cocky. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that speaks to, you know, to your point, Mike, I think they see this as the year where they can finally get everything lined up, make a sort of first choice defensive coordinator hire, right? Like Jim Schwartz was for sure the guy, everybody else was available you know, he was, he was the, their pick. Nobody else got taken away from them or anything like that. Um, you know, and, and as you said, the quarterback. And so just with those two things alone, you got to imagine that they feel that they're a lot closer. So I, I do think then it becomes a very interesting conversation. If this season doesn't go the way that they foresee it for, for performance reasons. Now, obviously if there's some, you know, big injury issue, God forbid. Yeah, Miles Garrett and Deshaun Watson both get out. For, they're out for the right. season. Right. If they wreck Porsches, then, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's it. a whole, it's a whole different conversation, but, but, you know, I, I, I think I, I, to your point, I think it becomes a really interesting test case for what do you do when it's like the process looks good every year and the results never show up, then what do you do? And I think, you know, one thing that, I mean, this is, we're so far ahead of ourselves now, but I think it's worth thinking about is whether, do you give Andrew Barry the chance to hire his own head coach? Oh. Just because of how it feels like overall process-wise, the personnel side has been so stable and opportunistic, aggressive, as you said before, aggressive and conservative when appropriate. I think it would be interesting to see who he decided to hire at you know at the head coaching position 
and and to give that one more shot without totally cleaning house and like reflexively rehiring John Dorsey or some nonsense. Man, I just I, I think that's such a great question, Andrew. And 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 there's that the instinctual part of me recoils mm-hmm. because I like Kevin Stefanski a lot. Yeah, uh, sure. I, I like Kevin Stefanski a lot. I think he's smart. I think he is a good NFL head coach. Uh, man, I think uh, Kevin Cycle says it here, and, and I don't agree with it because I don't want to do it. But if you fire Kevin Stefanski, this whole thing is a problem. This the whole thing is down the toilet again, and here we go well, again. The only thing I'll say to that, I just, I, 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 I think you can make it. And again, we're talking about a future we don't know. But just based on the six-game sample size, I think you can make the argument that Kevin Stefanski is not the right head coach to get the most out of Deshaun Watson. Man, I, I don't agree. No, I know I you don't. don't. I, I, I'm well aware that you don't. And I'm not saying that right now, but I'm saying if they have a bad year, if the offense... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I, right. I'm, say, Sorry, I'm saying... I'm saying you were just saying based on that six-game No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm envisioning a future where they are 7-10 and 10 again. The offense is 15th best. The defense is 18th best, and they're just a mediocre team. In that scenario, now, here's what I'm going to say: let's 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 go positive for a minute. Let's give everybody sure. some reason to be hopeful because Pat Shea just said it. He got them. He, Pat, uh, Kev, if you want to give Kevin Stefanski credit for anything, we could talk. Definitely. We can talk about definitely. Has there been cohesiveness in the locker room? Has has there been infighting in the locker room? Have we seen players grow as leaders under Kevin Stefanski? We could talk about all that. But does Kevin Stefanski tend to make the best out of the quarterbacks that play for him? Yeah, his whole career, his whole everywhere he's gone. Sure, absolutely. And, and everywhere I, he's gone. I I would just it's something I've said on this show before. Is it is possible that it's a different skill set to protect a bad quarterback than to maximize a very gifted quarterback? And Paul Spencer says this: if they're seven and ten, I say goodbye, Kev. I think that does happen if they're seven right. and ten. I, 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 I know that it's premature. Paul also said that it's premature, and it is absolutely premature. But I just think when we're talking about big picture, I think it might be a little bit of a throwing out the baby with the bathwater if you completely clean house. I think it might be worth giving a very gifted young executive that Andrew Berry clearly is a chance to hire his own head coach. I'm just, it's just thinking about the very biggest picture. Now I feel like it's such a negative conversation. And and, and again, I have faith in Kevin Stefanski. I do. So again, as you guys are all talking about, make the playoffs. Right. Exactly. Sure. Absolutely. Make the playoffs. See, I I disagree with this, Pache. Kevin, AB and D Podest are all connected. I don't think so. I I agree. I agree. I think Kevin, Kevin's, the next guy, the, the coordinators went this right. last year. Right. You saw Joe Woods and Mike Prefield yeah. gone. Yep. They went. Yes. In the event that this year is another mediocre, we don't make the playoffs, it doesn't work, Kevin's the next guy. I don't think Andrew Berry, and I certainly don't, I think, God, I think they love Paul D. Podesta, and I think everybody, I don't know that enough people, because of clarity reasons, I don't. I don't think people know what Paul D. Podesta do, does, so they just assume what Paul D. Podesta does. He is part of. He is part of the team, guys. He is Jimmy Haslam's dude. Yeah, on this team, he's not going anywhere. But Kevin's the next guy to go. He's the next guy to go. If they yeah. fail this year, Kevin is gone. Yeah, I just, man, I can't. It can't happen. 
Let's talk about a little bit about what's coming up over the next few weeks, Mike. So we've got we've got basically two weeks and a little bit to the draft. Um, you know, uh, and, what, and let me then, pause you there. Let me pause sure. you there. Yeah. Stay tuned to the OBR for draft weekend. We were talking about it all day today. And I think we're yeah, we here on the OBR. I think we here on. Oh, were you going to say that? Yeah. Oh, well, go. Go on. Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I you were talking say. about like brown stuff. I didn't. Well, so yeah, I mean, it's all one thing, right? I, we, we, so what I'm saying is that I would expect over the next two plus weeks leading up to the draft that if there are other veteran free agents that the Browns have had conversations with, such, such as Al Woods, that those contracts get done because those veterans mm-hmm. run the risk of not having a spot at the table after the draft, right? If, if you're, if you're talking to the Browns and they, Say they run into a, a, a DT falls to them at 74 that they love. All of a sudden, Al Woods doesn't have a job. So he, he, he is incentivized. You know, his agent will be telling him, you've got two weeks to make a decision, basically. So yeah. I, I think that's something worth watching over the next few weeks. I do think that there will be, to the extent that the Browns can even, you know, be involved in rumors, there will be a little bit more draft rumors stuff start to pick up. So I think I, my, I am hopeful that by this time next week, we will have more like in the moment news to react to. Um, so stay then, tuned. Yeah, go ahead. To the OBR. Stay tuned to the OBR. You know, we're, we're doing four shows a week. Yep. We're doing four shows a week. So stay tuned to the OBR. We're going to lead you into the draft. We're going to try to get you excited for something that isn't all that exciting, to be honest with you. We're going to try. We're going to do our damn best yeah. to and try to get you excited for this. We're going to have and we're going to cover the draft. Draft weekend. Yes. All three nights, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yes. It looks like, because I'll I'll be there. I'll be there on Thursday. Yeah. I'll be there on Thursday. All three nights, it looks like we're getting ready to to give you Browns slash NFL draft coverage. All the guys here on the OBR are going to be with it. So make sure you're tuned into that. Uh, And then we're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're going to see. I I still think, I'm with you, Andrew. I think think there's one or two uh, signings left to be had before the draft. And then we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And I, I think there's the other thing I was going to say is I think there's a possibility of a trade during the draft for, you know, another veteran player. Um, I think that is absolutely something that they could be interested in, given where they are as a team. They still have a little bit of cap space to work with, and they'll be getting more in the beginning of June with the John Johnson release. So there is still a little bit to play with. So I think in the next few weeks, more will happen. I don't think it'll be as dead as it has been for the past few weeks. Are right, you ready? We got we got like five minutes. We got five minutes, Andrew. Well, are you going to talk about baseball? Because last week when we did that, everybody left. I don't know. Different. Okay. Better. Go ahead. Cavs, Knicks, who you got? Oh, I'll take the Cavs in like five. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Let's I, go. I'm not, I'm not worried about the Knicks at all. Let's go. Uh, Cavaliers, listen, I don't care whether you give a shit or not. Uh, we're a Cleveland podcast. We're a Cleveland show. Cavaliers are hosting a playoff series. Yep. The Cavaliers are hosting a playoff series for like the first time in a hundred years without LeBron James. Yeah. Cavaliers are a top four seed in, in what is by far the better conference in basketball. The, the West conference sucks. The East conference. Awesome. Cavs are a top four conference or team in the conference. They are hosting the New York Knicks. That starts next weekend. Look, red leader still here. He's like, I want to hear about this. I want to yeah. hear about this. Yeah. Cavaliers, Knicks, the Knicks are a bucket filler team, man. That is what the Knicks are. If you don't play defense, the Knicks are going to score a whole bunch of points on you because they are a good offensive ball club. 
problem for the Knicks is the Cavs are a really good defensive ball club, and the Cavs can fill it up with anybody. So I'm with you. I think Cavs in four. Wow. Ooh, the sweep. Yeah, I don't think it's coming back to Cleveland. I don't think it's coming back. Okay. Really good question from Amatora in the comments. Do your nipples get hard when you watch Run William Run? It's very personal. It's very personal. But can you answer? I cannot. No. Oh, yeah. Well, mine did. I... Yeah, very. Just rock hard. Okay. <laughs> uh, I did see you somebody know, up I thread. I where I was. <laughs> oh, me too, for sure. Uh, I, I did see somebody up thread asking who will be on the draft coverage. I think between the three days, everybody that works for the OBR will have a hand in the draft coverage. We are going to blow it out. I think we're going to cover every pick from one to two sixty or whatever it is. Um, I, in fact, I know we are. Uh, so you know, be ready to join us for all three days because let's—I mean, I'll just put it this way: watching the draft on TV sucks now. Like, there's, that's just—that's just the truth. That's how it works. It's boring. There's too many commercials, and they don't actually tell you what's happening. Watching uh, the draft with your buddies is fun. So do that. Darko, we're not doing this right now. We're not, we're not doing this. We're not. I, I put this question up to tell you we are not doing this, Darko. Yeah, I give we're it not. like 97%. Hopkins, I saw him. He's actually on a flight right now. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. He's, he's looking at a house in Strongsville. It's uh, yeah. Bill Cowher's old house. Hopkins is actually landing uh, at right. Hopkins. <laughs> Imagine. It'll, well, by the time he leaves, it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins International. Exactly. Airport. That's right. Let's go. All right. I think, hey, listen, Andrew, it's been a, it's been a fun time. It's been a goofy yeah. time. Again, yeah. uh, unscripted is just kind of going to be goofy, uh, especially this time of the year. And even after the draft, yeah. as we head into the season, we're just, we love the fact that you guys are such a big part of this conversation. I truly, when Andrew and I talk about our show off the air, whatever, we talk about the fact that we feel like we're hosting this with you guys. Like hundred percent. You guys are as much a part of this as we are. And we love you guys. And we appreciate you. Let me do my normal thing before we get out of here. The guardians and the Yankees are tied by the way. So come nice. on guards. Uh, Mike Zanino, two doubles in this game. Gotta love hey. it. Uh, uh, let me give the normal shout out to the OBR streaming network. Again, you always get us on Mondays at 7 PM on unscripted tomorrow, Tuesday, Jake Burns is trying desperately to give you fun draft content. So he's got dueling mocks tomorrow, 7 p.m. We've got garage beers tomorrow at 9 p.m. Please get your beers out. If you, Man, I know a lot of you watch us here on the OBR for the Brown stuff. Grab a beer and come hang out with us for garage beers tomorrow night. We have got the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tim Alcorn. He's coming on to do a Cavs playoff preview, an NBA playoff preview. We got Tim Alcorn on. Please join us. For Garage Beers tomorrow at 9, OBR Weekly with Barry Fred's back this week. Barry and Fred are on OBR Weekly Wednesday night uh, at 7 o'clock. And then I don't know what time it's going to be because it changes every week. It's mysterious. Mm -hmm. Brad Ward is mysterious with All Eyes on Cleveland, All Eyes on Cleveland on Thursday night. Again, four nights of coverage for you guys every single week. We hope you guys love it because we love having you guys here. Nobody... To wrap up the show, Andrew, your $3,000 is safe. Your $3,000 is safe because nobody. We're rolling it over. Has, nobody's guessed my location. Andrew, do you have a guess? Yeah, I'd like to take a guess. Sure. Um, I'll go with uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Whoa. Nope. I'm in a beautiful, a beautiful town. Just about 15 minutes north 
of the National Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. I'm in Chicopee, Massachusetts. Wow. Over here on the East Coast. So hanging out in Chicopee, Massachusetts this week. We will have, I'll be home next week, but we'll have a whole new location the week after that. So you will have a chance to win Andrew's money in a couple of weeks. Yep. Tune in. That's going to do it for us. Andrew, man, it's been a blast. Go follow Andrew online at Andrew Spade. Go follow me online at Garage Beers Mike. And that is going to do it. Uh, Make sure you are following everybody on the OBR. And a huge shout out to Ian McBride. Make sure you are tuned in to Ian McBride as well for making us look good. But that's it for OBR Unscripted. Thank you guys for everything, for joining the show, for being a part of the show. We will see you this time next week. For Andrew, I'm Mike and Ian. uh, And we will see you for OBR Unscripted next Monday. Cheers, everybody. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.